The following audio is from Sacred City Church. For more information, please visit sacredcitychurch.com. Good morning. How are we doing? Just going to get right into it today. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 24. Um, If you don't have a Bible, you can um, grab one from the back. You can follow along. You can stay standing, actually. I'm sorry. You can stay standing. We're going to read the Word of God this morning. So... I'm going to go ahead and read it, and you can read along with me. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. So I want to apologize for uh, it, it being so hot in here today. Many of you know, and that's why we're kind of keeping it dark, keeping the windows closed, trying to keep it, uh, this, you know, the, the sun lamps on me this morning. Uh, we're trying to keep them down to a minimum. But uh, we, this is a joy. We get to worship in the second oldest junior theater in the nation. If you didn't know about it, we're, this is a historic building. We're very thankful. It's a part of our city's heritage. It's part of our culture. So we want to be here uh, worshiping. But the joys of being in an older building, uh, the air conditioner uh, broke a week and a half ago. Uh, the city assessed it and got, uh, they're getting on it. So uh, the, they told us three weeks from, it was like Monday, I think they told me three weeks so hopefully only two more Sundays. So pray for a little bit of cooler wedding or wedding weather. Uh, but we're, we're worshiping with millions of our brothers and sisters around the world today with no air conditioning. Okay. So I think we can get through it. So uh, husbands, wives, if one of them starts falling asleep, just elbow them. I know it's that temperature where our brain just wants to like, you know, fade off. Um, so don't make me have to throw things at you and, and, and yell really loud and that kind of thing because I'm going to be sweating enough for the glory of God today. So... I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this amazing book written to Ephesus, the book of Ephesians written by Paul. We thank you for it. It's been so beneficial to us and and we've learned so much about you and and so much about what you're wanting to do in this world. Um, Thank you for the inspired, infallible word of God. I ask that you would speak through me today, that um, distractions would be kept to a minimum, even though it's hot in here. And uh, you would use me as a vessel, you would use me as an instrument, that you would speak your words over my lips of clay this morning, that it would be all of you and none of me. Um, We ask for this to be a fruitful time studying your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Tonight we are offering um, our Bible 201 class of Sacred City Seminary. You don't have to sign up, you don't have to pay. Um, It's a free class it's our 201. We actually meet at the 11th Street Precinct in the village of East Davenport. We've got a back room back there um, that they let us use for free. We just uh, usually get drinks or whatever and, and, and tip well. But uh, we'll be meeting there tonight at 8 o'clock, and, um, 8 to 10, and we'll be studying Bible 201. And, uh, and it just so happens that today in our text, we're going to get a little bit of taste of what we're going to be talking about. Um, the book of Ephesians, as you know, if you've been here around, been around here for a while, the book of Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul to a group of churches or missional communities spread, spread across Asia Minor. And this really shows us our first rule of interpreting the Bible. 
Okay, our first rule is this. The Bible was written for us. Everybody say for us. But it was not written to us. Okay, it was written for us, but it was not written to us. If we want to really understand it well, we must do our best at understanding its literary and historical context. Okay, I'm going to get into that a whole lot more tonight. But uh, for most of us, if you read the Bible consistently, you do some of this work on your own intuitively without even knowing it. Um, Because the Bible is the word of God and it is divinely inspired by God. He didn't take over people and make them right, but he divinely inspired them. It speaks directly to us when we read. Last week, we read about prayer. We read about Paul's prayer. We read about how we should um, pray constantly. And as we were reading Paul's words, most of us intuitively made the application for ourselves immediately. We said, this is how I should pray. This is what Paul's teaching about prayer should apply to me. This is how I should pray. We, we almost, we read it last week like Paul was writing right to us, right? But today we're uh, reminded once again that the Bible is not written to us, but it is written for us. Now, let me show you what I mean. Right away, when we're reading verse 21, now listen, for those of you who have been around here for a while, this is our last week in the book of Ephesians. All right, we've been here for nine months in a six chapter book going verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. Uh, We've been here for nine months and this is finito. This is it. This is the last week in this series. Next week, um, I'm really stoked about next week. We're starting a new series called Sacred City DNA. It's going to be an eight-week series going through the DNA of Sacred City Church. Why we do things the way we do, who we are, what's our identity, what's our rhythms, how do we live. Um, it's going to be really beneficial. I'm going to let you know that we've, we put a lot of work into this next series coming up. And everyone in this room are going to get a couple books next week. You're going to get um, kind of our vision packet. And you're also going to get a, um, an eight-week study or an eight-week devotional that you're going to take home. It's going to go walk with us through our identities and rhythms through this series, and it's, it's really cool. So um, make sure you don't miss next week. You're here. We're going to give those out next week. So this is what verse 21, all right? Paul's concluding his book to the Ephesians, and this is what he says. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are. Now, what I, this is what I was saying earlier. Written to us, or written for us, not to us. Most of us do this in our head automatically. Last week we read and we thought Paul's talking right to us. I need to pray more. I need to pray this. This is how I need to pray. I doubt very many, very few of you are looking towards the back of the room waiting for Tychicus to come busting in the room. Right? Paul's saying, hey, I'm sending Tychicus to you. He's going to come. He's going to tell you about this. Now, most of us automatically do some work of interpretation on our own and say, oh, well, that's talking about Paul way back then. It's not, I'm not applying that immediately to my, life, to my life. This is an example of how the Bible was written to a specific set of people in a specific time. And we need to do some interpretation in order to, to use it, to read it, to understand it. What we call that is exegesis, all right? You don't need to remember that. Exegesis is learning what did this text mean in its original context, in its historical literary context. Again, we're going to talk about that a lot tonight, but I just wanted to point it out. This is an example that you don't just go, well, the Bible's my roadmap to life. Really? Do you know Tychicus? Does he call you at home? Is he coming over to tell you how Paul's doing? This was not written to you, 
This is written for you. And there's a big difference. We can't just grab a text and say, this is for me. We can't do that. We need to understand how it was written, where it was written, the time it was written. All right? So we're going to do this today. We're going to do some of this exegetical work or exegesis. We're going to do it today. And one of my favorite things is when I get into studying the Bible and I discover something I didn't know. Or I discover something um, I I didn't really understand or I didn't really see before. And today's one of those days. We're going to get to meet a dude. All right? A solid dude named Tychicus. All right? Solid dudes are pretty hard to come by these days. They're a rare and endangered species. Uh, many, of the, many of the guys in this room, you've probably grown up with a dad who was either non-existent, he was just out of the picture. Uh, maybe he was gone at work your whole life. Maybe he was really passive and stayed glued to a video game. Uh, maybe he liked to golf, so he was gone golfing and he just kind of let the raising and rearing of the children be done by the mother. But many of the men in this room, it's just a sad state of our society that we are a fatherless nation right now. Many of us grew up without a father, so then the men try to uh, interpret what it means to be a man on their own, or dear God, they do it by watching reality TV, reality TV shows. All right? I don't know what a man is, so I'm going to let the TV tell me what a man is. I don't know what the man is, so I'm going to let the culture tell me what a man is. Well, today, most of us just don't know what a good dude looks like, what a good, solid dude looks like, all right? Our, our churches are about 60 to 70% typically women. The dudes are out acting like fools. Um, a new CNN article just came out this week just a coincidence off of what I preached last week about how porn and incessant video gaming is literally changing the, the, the brains of men. That they're getting so addicted to the chemicals that are released by our bodies by pornography and video games that they don't know how to be a normal person anymore. A normal, real woman doesn't turn them on like a, like a 2D image on a screen does. That they don't want to join the military and, 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 uh, and serve our country and really sacrifice. They'd rather play Call of Duty and just act like it. It's an absolute epidemic across our world. So today, for those of you, maybe you don't know what a good dude looks like, a solid man looks like. Today we're going to meet one. His name is Tychicus. I think his name st- sounds kind of manly to me. Sounds like a warrior. It could sound like a stutter too. I mean, that's kind of what it sounds like to me. Tychicus, right? Tychicus, all right? It's got a warrior's ring to it, I think. Now listen, Tychicus was one of Paul's main men. He was, a kind, he was kind of like a personal assistant or a pastoral assistant to Paul. He was an Asian man who went with Paul on his third missionary journey where they spent three years ministering in Ephesus. Okay, I'm going to show you, let's pull up uh, a slide. I'm going to show you a, um, a picture of Paul's third missionary journey. All right, Paul's going to start here in Antioch on his third missionary journey. And he's going to travel, each one of these are his stops in Derby, Derby Iconium, Antioch. And then it, this is Ephesus right here. This is where Ephesus is located. Paul stops here and spends three years here ministering in Ephesus. He's basically making disciples. He's raising up disciples. Then he moves on. He sends back letters. He sends back, he says, go appoint elders now. He's raising up churches. And now we're sitting about 52 years later. After Paul 
Paul's already done his third missionary journey. He ends up coming over here to Italy and everything. Uh, throw the next slide up just so we can see what it, it looks like in modern day. Oh, man, you can't really see very well at all because this light right here is shining on us. This is modern day Turkey. This is where Ephesus is right here. This is Greece. This is Italy. Okay. Paul's missionary journey started here and is working its way around here into Italy. Okay. So Paul is right here writing in Ephesus. Okay. This, this is who the book, this is the letter that we're reading was written to the believers in Ephesus. All right. Now in this text, it was written about five years after Paul had already went through Ephesus. And now uh, Paul is calling uh, Tychicus a beloved brother and faithful minister. Now listen, Tychicus walked with him. He served with him. He lived with him. He ministered with him. And Paul is speaking to him. And we're about to see why. But he calls Tychicus this, a faithful and beloved brother. Faithful and beloved. Now this is what I like about Paul. Paul... Uh, He's a straightforward dude, okay? He didn't use flowering speech. In Galatians, (laughs) one of my favorite books, in Galatians, um, they were trying to mix, kind of create a new form of legalism out of the gospel. They were saying, hey, circumcision is a sign of the old covenant, but let's not do away with that. Let's believe the gospel and get circumcised. You should do both. You should believe the gospel and have this form of legalism. You should do both if you really believe the gospel. All right. Paul didn't say, come on, guys, let's talk about this. You know, it's probably better that, you know, you know, maybe you you could do that, but it's just not really beneficial. No, Paul said this. All right. You who are cutting your flesh, don't stop there. Finish the work. He says, go ahead and emasculate yourself. You're circumcising yourself. Don't stop. Cut the thing off. All right. That's, That's how Paul says. That's how Paul addressed. Paul does not use flowering speech. He's very direct in Galatians. When Peter um, actually, or, or when Peter sides with some of the believers who were wanting to segregate themselves and wanting to treat people differently based on being circumcised or not, Paul opposes him to his face. The apostle Peter, Paul opposes to his face and says, you're not living in light of the gospel. Paul was a little bit abrasive. He was abrupt. He was a straightforward dude. He didn't didn't have time for niceties. He said the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. That means if you have not received regeneration by the spirit of God and you have been born again and you're a new person, when you hear the message of the gospel, it's foolishness to you. Paul just was very straightforward like that. So when Paul says that Tychicus was beloved and faithful, that means Tychicus was a proven dude. He was proven. He was faithful. He was beloved. He was steadfast. He was solid. He was a faithful and steadfast man who did small things and seemingly insignificant things with great care. I love it. He was faithful in little things. Now, how many of you in this room have had heard of Tychicus before today? Anybody heard of Tychicus? A couple people? A couple people heard of Tychicus? All right. Listen to this. This one guy, Tychicus, most of us have never heard of, is immortalized in Holy Scripture. Immortalized. The word is, God's word is eternal. means those who faithfully study the word of God will know his name in all eternity. I think we should check this guy out. 
I think we should study this guy. And this is what's crazy. His name made the most popular book in all of history. The Bible is the best, the most best-selling book in all of antiquity and all of history. Okay, his name made it, and this is what I like about it. His name made it with some glowing recommendations. I mean, he's a faithful and beloved brother. Most people don't escape the pages of Scripture unscathed, right? We got David. We all like to chant about David. Yeah, he kind of uh, had an affair and killed uh, the the, the woman's husband. All right, didn't turn out too well for him. Then he was a he was a bad dad, and his kid ended up taking over his throne. Right? You, don't, you don't meet too many heroes in Scripture where they're only viewed as, as, as solid, faithful dudes. Because we're all sinners, we're all broken, we're all bent in on ourselves. Very few people escape the pages of Scripture without looking like a fool. Peter, right? Upon this, Jesus looked at Peter one time and says, Upon this rock I will build my church. Peter, right on. Another, another time Peter says, Jesus says, i got to go to the cross. Peter says, Never! Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Jesus looks at Peter, upon this rock I'll build my church, calls him Satan. Right? Very few people make it through the Bible without looking like a fool. But Tychicus is one dude who has. Tychicus is actually mentioned in four other places in the New Testament. And listen, here's what I love about him. He makes scripture. He's immortalized for eternity. And his most noticeable accomplishment was that of a mailman. Tychicus, as Paul's assistant, as his pastoral assistant, personal assistant, he delivered the letters of Ephesians, Colossians, and most scholars believe 2 Timothy as well. He was a mailman. Remember, Paul was actually writing Ephesians. This is five years after he he traveled through Ephesus. He's sitting in a Roman jail cell, waiting waiting to be tried. And he's sending a letter to Ephesus. He wants to know, okay, I went through Ephesus. I made some disciples. We're planting churches. God's moving there. But I had to move on because I had to go plant. He was an apostle. He had to go plant multiple, multiple churches. That's what we're about here at Sacred City. We're, here about, we're really about three things, okay? We're about making disciples, planting churches, and renewing the city all for the glory of God. That's what we want to do at Sacred City. Make disciples, plant churches, renew the city all for the glory of God. That's what Paul was doing. Now he's confined in a Roman jail cell and he, he wants to know, how are my brothers doing? How are my spiritual sons and daughters back in Ephesus doing? I want to encourage them. I want to deliver a letter of utmost importance to them. So he calls Tychicus. When Paul had a seemingly insignificant but eternally important job to do, he called on Tychicus. Tychicus, I need you to deliver this letter to the believers in Ephesus. Jesus said in Luke 16, one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in very little will also be dishonest in very much. So many people today don't know how to be faithful in the little things. That is where faithfulness is born. If you're dreaming of someday standing on a stage and being faithful, keep dreaming. Starts in the bathroom, cleaning toilets. Starts in the parking lot, picking up garbage when you walk by. 
starts in your faithful devotion and prayer in your own private time with Jesus. In the little things is where faithfulness is born. You're making eight bucks an hour? Are you tithing on that? God is paying you to be a missionary right where you live, right where you work. He's paying you. He strategically positioned you as an, I like this, as an undercover accountant or as an undercover salesman or as an undercover factory worker. You're undercover inside that identity, but in reality, you're one of his sons or daughters. You are a missionary sent there by him and he's paying your salary. And he asks you, to love him well, to love those you work with well, to serve them well, to work hard, to be a good missionary, and to be a good representation of his kingdom in your workplace. And what he asks of you, he pays you to do that. And what he asks of all of us is to give 10% back to him. It's called a tithe. And that's just where we start. We start with 10%. If you've ever, most of you know, know J.C. Penney. Well, J.C. Penney, the actual founder, J.C. Penney, he was a believer. He started giving 10% of his income to God. And by the time he, he, was, by the time he, he died, he, in, he, he had increased his giving. He was now giving 90% of his income to the work of the ministry, to the kingdom of God. And he was living on 10%. That's an extravagant giver. That's someone caught up in the grace of God. That's someone caught up in eternal things more than the present. Giving is the discipleship issue. It's a faithfulness issue. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Listen to this. Did you hear that? Your, where your money goes, your giving is the billboard of your heart. Your giving is the billboard of your heart. Your giving shows where your heart is. It shows where your worship lies. If all of your worship is going into your retirement account, all of your giving is going into your retirement account, or the majority of it, it's showing that your identity, your worship is your own comfort. Maybe you're driven by fear of what could happen in the future. It's your own comfort. If all of your, if the majority of your giving is going to your kids, it's probably where your worship is. The majority of your giving is going to movies and, and games and books and, and eating out and all those things. That's where your worship lies. It's in entertainment, entertaining yourself. I've met so many people who have been deceived about giving. They say, I can't afford to give. Typically, when I ask these people, the same people have a $100 cable bill, a $400 phone, they're wearing nice clothes, they're driving a nice car. The majority of us in this room can afford to give. We choose to give to other things. Listen, giving is not easy. It does require sacrifice. It does require faithfulness. It does, but it's worship. It's worship. We don't do offering here at Sacred City Church. We don't pass the plate. We don't hype it up. We don't 
try to make people feel guilty. We don't want to do those things. We have a box in the back. And, we can, and the majority of the people that are faithful here, they give online. But I don't want you to get the idea that because we don't pass the plate, it's some kind, somehow a tertiary issue. Jesus spoke more about giving and your money than he did about heaven and hell. Giving is a heart issue. Many of you right now, your stomach is twisting inside right now as I talk about it. Come on, preacher, just pat, go on, go on to something else. If that's you, it's a worship issue. You say God's good enough to save my soul from eternal, eternal damnation, but he's not good enough to get my real heart, which is where my treasure is. Hey, I am a, I'm a man of this culture, just like everybody in this room. I love nice things. I want a nice motorcycle. I want a nice this and that and the other thing. I want those nice things too, right? I want the gleaming stainless steel grill on my deck, right? That I can see my face in every time I'm grilling. I want that bad boy. I don't want that rusty thing I got that the lid barely hangs on. Listen, I like those things too. It's not about those things are bad. Those things are not bad. The nice car, those things are not bad. It's where is your heart? Where is your heart at? My wife and I, we don't make a ton of money by any means, but we, by the faithfulness of God, we've been faithful in tithing when we've had a lot of money and we've had very little money. We've been, we've been married for eight years and we've tithed on every dime that we get. We give 10% back to the work of God. Even when, when I was moved to Omaha and I was working at Whole Foods and I was making a quarter of the amount of salary that I was used to making when I was a home builder years in the past, we were still tithing. We didn't think we had enough money to live, but we were still tithing. And every single month, God provided for our needs and God met our needs. We were trying to be faithful and little. It's a worship issue. It's a worship. It's a discipleship issue. This church right now, we're supported. About 40% of our support, financial support, comes from outside these walls comes from some other church planners that I know that are supporting us because 10% of our budget goes to support church planning automatically. We, we, 10% of our budget supports church planners and, and new church plants that we want to start across the Midwest. And about 40% of our budget right now is supplied from outside. I raised a lot of money before we started the church. I've got givers, they give. But coming up in the next few months, actually by January, we need to step up. Our giving needs to come up so that... Um, they're reducing some of our support, outside support, re, re, about cutting it almost in half to about 20% come January. And I'm not afraid. That doesn't scare me. We're, we're doing good. But every single one of us can, can hear the word of faithfulness. Giving is a worship issue. And if you're not giving, if you feel you're a part of this church and you're not giving, I'm challenging you to begin to be faithful in giving. Start at 10%. What? That's too much. Look at your budget. Don't know how to budget? Come talk to myself or or Rich and we can work a budget out with you. Very practical. Most of us can start there if we do. It's going to take sacrifice. It is. But it's worship. Many of you who love Christ, like Paul says here, with love incorruptible, You desire 
Because the Spirit of God comes inside you. He enables you to respond and worship God and to love God. So many of you who have, you are regenerate, you are a believer, you are in Christ. Naturally, you desire to do something big for God. I want to do something big for God. I want to spend my life. I want to build His kingdom. I want to see God do great things through me. That's great, but it starts small. Do the small thing that God has placed in front of you. Be faithful in that. Do that well. Tychicus was a faithful mailman. Be a faithful giver. Be a faithful children's worker. Be a faithful missionary. Be a faithful employee. Be a faithful in prayer. Be a faithful encourager. Be a faithful servant. Cook for your MC or your pastor and do that well. Just start there. I like brownies, by the way. And cobbler. I'm just going to throw... I could just keep going, actually, but... Listen, you end up doing great things for God. You end up doing great things for God when you do small things and seemingly insignificant things really well. Think about this. What if Tychicus wasn't faithful? You know... What if he, he swung by, Paul's in prison, picks up the letter. Yeah, I got you, Paul. All right, I'll, I'll take it. Ephesus, yeah, I got you. Right, but I'm a busy dude. I'm a busy dude, right? So on the way to Ephesus, you know, he swings by a buddy's house. They have a few drinks, right? Things get a little crazy. They have some fun. He walks out. He gets to Ephesus. And he's like, what was I supposed to do? Oh, Paul, Bro. Uh, I kind of lost the letter to the Ephesians. My bad. Um, I kind of lost Ephesians. I, I don't know about you. I have been incredibly blessed by the study of this book over the past nine months. I've been just astounded at the depth, at the detail, at the cosmic perception of the gospel, how God has had a plan from all eternity to save us, to redeem us, to renew all of creation through the work of Christ and through his church, the body. I have just been overwhelmed at the depth in, in, the, in Ephesians. And we... I would have not experienced any of that. None of us would have experienced any of that if Tychicus would have been a 20th century dude. I I forgot. Oh, the letter's in my car. Hold on, dude. I got to go find it. Right? Can you just write a new one? Can you just copy a new one? Like this is the word of God. I'm really thankful for the faithfulness of this one Asian dude. Thank you, Tychicus, for your faithfulness to God's church. And listen, if you study Paul and you study the New Testament, you also know that Paul, his ministry, and him him personally was really hurt by unfaithful dudes. People that tried to attack him. People that um, preached the gospel for selfish reasons and selfish motivation. Um, Every town he went to, he was persecuted. He would get up to, can you imagine this? I mean, I really, you get up to preach and then somebody in the back just starts yelling at you and like fighting with you. 
I mean, it's on for me. That's fine. That's why I fought in a cage a few years back, okay? So if you want to do that, we can handle that, right? Plus, I got a, a lot of dudes in here that are faithful men, and they'll just take care of that stuff for me, right? But can you imagine literally getting up to preach and a dude in the back just saying, nope, that's not right. Nope, nope. That's what happened when Paul went to places to preach. And one place that a guy started getting up and started in, in Ephesus, actually, in the book of Acts, they start getting up and they start saying, faithful is the God of Artemis. Praise Artemis. Praise Artemis. It was a huge false god um, in Ephesus. It was a huge temple, the temple of Diana or temple of Artemis in the center of the city. And when Paul got there to stand up to preach, they just started yelling, let's worship Artemis. Let's worship Artemis. So much, the whole city went into a riot. The whole city went into a riot, and Paul, Paul is such a bad man. I love it. Paul's like, oh, they're in a riot? Let me in there. Get me to that stage. Get me up on that stage. And all the brothers are like, no, they will kill you. They will kill you until God you died. And Paul's like, I want after him. I want at it. So Paul, throughout the life of his ministry, he was hurt by unfaithful men, by men who had ulterior motives. That men who wanted to promote themselves or promote their business or promote whatever their little pet project or pet agenda was through the church of God. So when Paul says, Tychicus, my faithful and beloved brother, that means something. I know how encouraging a faithful brother and a servant can be. A guy that you know who's in the trenches with you. You know he's faithful. You know he's, he doesn't have his ulterior motives. He's faithful to the Lord. He's faithful to Jesus. That's incredibly encouraging. I never would have, I love this dude. Tychicus, I love this man. I've been praying that God would raise up men and women like this at Sacred City Church. We'd be men and women who know how to be faithful in the little things that God's given us. Tychicus has really encouraged my heart this week. Thank you, God, for raising up faithful men. They really are the pillars of a solid church. Faithful men, faithful deacons, faithful women, faithful elders. They're few and far between. So Paul... He introduces us to this dude named Tychicus. And it just encourages my heart this week. And I, I, would, pr- I would say, you know what? This is, we should learn something from this brother. We should learn something. Don't just aspire to some, do some great big work for God. Aspire to do something small with great faithfulness. Aspire to do what he's placed in front of you with great faithfulness. Now, Paul... In his final benediction, benediction, that's the last thing we always do here on on, uh, Sunday mornings. We say, as you leave here today, that's the beginning of our benediction. This is why we do that. That's because that's how the New New Testament epistles were written. They have an intro and they have a benediction, a closing. And this is Paul's benediction. Listen to this. "Peace Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. I want you to see four big words. For Paul, in closing his letter to the Ephesians, 
He uses four big words to remind us of the epic story that he's just told us. Six chapters of brilliance. Three chapters of absolute poetic dream. The longest word, the longest sentence in the Greek, uh, in any uh, Greek writing was in Ephesians 1, right? Like Paul has just been brilliant and now he's going to summarize what he said to us. He's going to remind us. If you give public speaking or you give talks, you know that the the last thing you say is is the thing that gets retained the most when people walk out. And this is what Paul says. He uses four big words. He uses peace, love, faith, grace. Peace, love, faith, grace. This is my closing. G.K. Chesterton said, When we cease to worship God, we don't cease to worship. We worship anything. Listen, to understand the gospel, you have to understand this right here. There's this mentality in our culture that says, well, I don't worship God, but we're cool. Like, if if you do that, that's cool with you. Whatever's cool with you is cool with me. It's really one of the foundational beliefs of postmodernism. It's like whatever's true for you can be true for you, and what's true for me can be true for me. But you know what? I don't worship him, but hey, me and God are still cool. G.K. Chesterton summarizes this well. When you cease to worship God, you don't cease to worship. You worship anything. Piggybacking on what I said earlier, I could just trace your money where your money goes. That's where your worship's going. You don't stop worshiping. You just start worshiping created things. Start worshiping your own autonomy. Start worshiping your own control. You start worshiping your children or your job or financial security or sex. Status, comfort, power. And this is what the Bible says. That worship is cosmic treason to God. Cosmic treason punishable by death. He's the ultimate. He's the beginning. He's the only good, wise, great, almighty, holy God. He deserves all worship. When the wind blows, it's worshiping God. When the trees rustle, they're worshiping God. When a rock is rocking, it's worshiping God. In the call of worship, it says that his voice commands the deer to give birth. Studying Jonathan Edwards, one of the most fascinating things behind his theology is he believed that God constantly recreated the world every second. He, he equated it to a little kid that if you, if you have a little child, you know, you spin them, you put them down. What do they say? Do it again. You do it again. What do they say? You do it again. What do they say? They never lose their wonder. You can spin that kid until he throws up and he'll throw up and look at you. And what will he say? Do it again. Right? They never lose their wonder. Jonathan Edwards says, as we grow up, we lose our wonder. 
God never loses his wonder. So he believed literally that God every single morning would look at the sun and say, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. That God deserves all of our worship, all of our praise, all of our devotion. He deserves every penny that we have. He deserves all of our effort. He deserves everything because he's holy. But we worship other things. We place other things in the top spot of our heart. John Calvin said that our hearts are literally idol factories, creating idols out of created things all the time. And that worship, listen to this, that worship is cosmic treason, punishable by death, mandatory death sentence. But God, listen, in his love for us and in the praise of his glorious grace, sent his one and only son to live the perfect life, live the life that was lived only worshiping God. See, that's what Jesus' life, Jesus lived. He obeyed every law in the Old Testament. He had the perfect life. He never worshiped the created thing. He never set up an idol in his heart. He only worshiped the Father. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, lived that perfect life inside of history 2,000 years ago with people looking, with brothers and sisters looking on. You know what your brother and sister wants to do? They want to point out your failure. They want to point out your fault. Imagine having Jesus as an older brother. Mom, it's Jesus' fault. She's like, that one don't work over here, son. He did it. That one don't work. Jesus lived the perfect life that we were all commanded to live. Then Jesus, even though he was perfect, he willfully, willfully became sin, took your sin, my sin upon him on the cross because he's God's son. He could do that. And he paid the ultimate price for our cosmic treason, for our idol worship, for our false worship. He paid that price on the cross through his death. The death penalty that you deserve, Christ took it on himself. That's grace. The debt that you owe to a perfect holy God, that debt has been paid once and for all by Christ. We owe God perfect obedience and worship. We fail, but Jesus didn't. He died to give us what he earned. And listen, but we, you can't, You only receive that gift through faith. By faith. Grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Paul closes his book with those words and he says, peace. Because Christ has appeased the wrath of God because he died the death that we deserve. We can have peace with God 
We can have a relationship with God. We can have communion with God. We can participate in some way in the life of the Trinity, having the Spirit of God inside of us, seeing the beauty in the face of Jesus Christ and worshiping the Almighty God. And this, guys, this is what made Tychicus a godly and a faithful man. He was captured by grace. He had been loved with incorruptible love so he could love with incorruptible love. If you're struggling with forgiving someone, you haven't been captured by incorruptible love. You haven't seen the debt that you owe to God and how he paid that for you. If you're struggling with being faithful in little things, look to the cross. Look to how Christ was faithful for you. When we come to the table this morning, we're reminded of his faithfulness. God planned this salvation, this redemption from eternity past. And Jesus accomplished it inside of time. He was faithful. Listen. If you're trying to please God through your obedience, that is cosmic treason. It's called moralism. Trying to be good so God will love you. When we do that, When we say, I'm not an idol worshiper, Justin. I'm a good person. I pay my taxes. I mow my grass. I love my wife. I've got my kids. I got my little man cave where I can go hide and I can go spend the rest of my nights in peace. I'm a good man. It's cosmic treason. We're saying, Christ, overkill. You didn't have to die for me. I'm a good dude. I'm a solid person. You could have just gave me a pass or, you know. I Maybe I did it. When I was a teenager, I did a couple things, but moralism is cosmic treason to God. It's saying, I don't need the righteousness of Christ. I can stand in my own righteousness. As you come to this table this morning, I pray that you repent for self-righteousness. You repent of your moralism. You repent of your unforgiveness. You repent for your unfaithfulness in giving. You repent over walking away from God a thousand times each week. And you rejoice in what he's done for us. You rejoice in the perfect gift, gift of his son and how by grace he's given us his love and he's given us faith to believe in the sacrifice. He's given us the righteousness of Christ. What does that mean? It means Jesus, his perfect record, never worshiping an idol, 
that's credited to you. So when you go to the Father in prayer, and when you stand before him on the judgment seat, you're standing with the perfect record of Jesus Christ, not your record. It's brilliant. It's amazing. No other religion on the face of the planet has grace. None. It's magnificent. Father, as we come to your table this morning, I pray that we would be captured by grace. We would be captured by your faithfulness to us. We'd be captured by your glory. We'd be overwhelmed by it. That there are no, there are, nobody is passive in this room. We are either enemies of God or we are on God's side and we are in Christ. That's the only way. Nobody stands in the middle. We're either enemies of God or we've made peace with God through Christ and his cross. I pray that the Spirit of God would apply the work of salvation to believers' hearts in this room. He would cause us to respond in faith and repentance. We would come to this table. We would believe in the gift that you've given us. We believe in the work of Christ on the cross. We would be saved from our sins. And you would make faithful men and women out of us idol worshipers. Make us into faithful men and women. Do the work you did in Tychicus. Do that work in us, Father. Make us faithful over the long haul for your namesake, for your glory, according to the gospel of grace. In Jesus' name, amen.